Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Randy. Uh, what you've been doing this week? Hey, Don. Uh, this week, um, this week I went down to the University of Chicago where I talked to a potential client about a project that was, it was actually a pretty interesting thing. Hopefully in the future I can talk about it. Can't say too many details right now, but um, a very interesting research-related type of thing. Um, normal client work, we're trying to, we're getting additional requests for one of my clients from outside vendors. So we're having to interface with other companies on behalf of one, and then I'm kind of in the middle getting technical requirements. And then I did another stint as a substitute teacher for a coding boot camp. Again, teaching one of the hardest days of JavaScript to a bunch of beginning programmers. So it's always a challenge to kind of come in not knowing anyone in the room and then say, I'm going to drop a ton of JavaScript, intro to JavaScript on you. Um, type of things, but it was a good class. Um, a lot of very attentive um, students in in this particular class, so that was fun. Had family in town, so as much as I wanted to hang out with them the whole time, I had to do some work. But um, you know, pretty full week. In addition to baseball starting up, which is something that I like. <laughs> um, to pay attention to. So, uh, what, what's going on in your world? So I think we're, we're all, uh, trying to prove the ad axiom of, uh, those that can't do teach. Um, <laughs> this, <laughs> this we this Friday, I, um, my son is a sophomore in high school and, uh, I was talking to his digital electronics teacher and she asked me to come in and speak to that class. Um, mm. and her AP computer principles of computer science class. So Friday, I spent the morning, uh, talking to them, um, really, uh, some good discussions. Um, you have to get them going, but after you get them going, they'll, yeah. they'll talk. Um, we talked a little bit about, uh, VR and, and where mm -hmm. it's going and what their feelings on where it's going are. We talked a bit about um, about security and privacy, and mm -hmm. we also talked about our topic for today, um, which is okay. ethics. So the ethics mm -hmm. of working in a technological field. Um, yep. So this is a bit topical for the for this time and place um, with the latest Cambridge Analytica. Um, news from Facebook and yeah. and various other things as well, but it, it's something that you you should be thinking about at all times. Is what are the ethics of the situation, and where do you fall on that line? Um, yep. I I certainly think it's not a black and white scenario. There, the it's very hard for there to ever be a 100% wrong answer. There are times, um, yeah. but, but it's rare that it's a hundred percent wrong. Um, there are probably a few more times when it's a hundred percent right. Um, but in general, the rest of it's going to be gray. So, um, yeah. where have you struggled or where have you found challenges with, um, the ethics of a situation or, where have you been able to, to talk about the ethics of a situ situation? Mm, so many. That's a broad question. Um, I mean, I always feel that ethics, I'm not sure if I'm going to answer your question right. Um, in almost every job I've been in, the ethics start at the top. And that is, and like, I do feel that everyone is, you know, Everyone is responsible to be ethical in their own choices and the way in leadership and management. But at a company, it starts at the top. If you want to see like how does a company represent itself from an ethical standpoint, 
it will come through from the top executives or the founders or whomever in everything that they do and everything that they say, or hopefully that everything they're doing aligns with what they're saying. And when you see a discrepancy, you tend to see ethic gaps as well. And so when I've worked at firms and choices have been made that are not necessarily ethical, whether it's, you know, not something that's legal or something that is legal but stretches on what's good for the employees or good for the consumers, it's usually like you could just you could see it coming with the person at the top and how what you know the the corners that they would cut or the things that they would say were important but then their actions said otherwise so i don't know if you're looking for concrete examples um not specifically but i think you address the one the easier decisions okay the ones that aren't legal okay that's not ethical that's easy um, it's not hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you might be in a situation where it's difficult for you to stand up for, for yourself, depending on your situation, but that's a pretty easy decision there as far as is it ethical or not. Um, but I think we can, I think we can walk the path back to where it gets really gray and really uncomfortable. So let's say you start a, a website that people to get together on and, and share their latest news and their, their diet tips and what they're eating and all that. And as a developer, you're asked, okay, so the first thing I want you to build into this is I want you to take all their information and, and display it, take all the information they provide and display it seems fairly straightforward. And then it's, Mm -hmm. then it walks into the, okay, let's take all that, uh, information of what they displayed. Let's also take all the information of what they're looking at on our website and, and what they seem to like, and let's change what they're looking at based on what they like, because we just want to provide them what they like. Okay. That also sounds fairly straightforward and, and, and it, it doesn't seem to be all that gray. And then you go to the next step of, okay, now let's just make it so that we have external partners who want to just provide this good information as well to our, to our users as far as what they want to see. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because now you're just, again, just providing them what they want to see. So I think you, it, if you keep walking down the chain, you can find mm-hmm. yourself in that place where if you had started there, You've been like, wait, this isn't where I want to be. This isn't what I'm comfortable with. But if you take the baby steps to get there, each progressive baby step seems fine. It, there's no yeah. solid line that you crossed at any one point. Um, it's just when you take a, a big picture view of the whole thing and you look and you go, I'm not sure how we got here. How do we get out of this? Or, or how do we fix mm-hmm. this? Um, so I think that's more what I'm talking about is those, how did we get here moments and, um, where do you, where have you seen that? Where have you come across that? I well, how did we get here? How did we get to the scenario of Facebook? Um, I think part, uh, not that Facebook did this, but I think that Google did us a disservice in the tech industry when they did their one single line and their company motto or whenever they went public, I think they wrote this in their prospectus or something. They said, don't be evil. Do no evil. And they right. just left it. At, Do no evil. Don't, don't be evil. One of the two. Think no evil, yet. whatever. Something really basic. And that, it sounded great from a cut for a company because you never saw companies really say that kind of thing in their prospectus that I remember. And it got a lot of press. I remember it was a talked about thing. And I actually felt good about it. I was like, great. I like Google for making that statement. The problem was it, just like you mentioned a minute ago, it's, it's so broad and it's up for very loose interpretation um, because evil is not necessarily like being evil, doing harm 
and being evil are not necessarily the same thing. And so now we're at this point where Google is magnitudes bigger than they are were when they made that statement. And Facebook kind of had a motto unofficially of break things and talk about it later or whatever the heck their motto was internally. And I think we're stuck in this area where you have people that have questionable ethics making the decisions mainly because they think that it's all about what they feel. Um, and I can rel- I can relate to this in one way on the data side, a privacy side. I don't I take responsibility for what I give a company and I don't really worry too much about it because I think about before I enter this data in, do I want it spread around? And so when people are getting worked up about the Facebook thing, I'm kind of like, well, if I didn't want them to have pictures of my dinners (laughs) and, and cats, I wouldn't have given it to them in the first place. But I know it's not that simple. I know my mom doesn't think about things that way when she posts things. And I know that I have friends that put, they make a lot of statements about their mental health, um, which is something that's private to their network of friends, but they don't necessarily want another company to have it. And I think that along the way, Facebook promised to somewhat be a caretaker. Um, They've talked about it in the past when they got busted for privacy. And then it became revealed that they were not living up to that standard. So... I guess the what I guess when it comes down to what I try to tell people, what I tell my students, and what I l- try to live by, is that I try to, and we've talked about we t- use the word empathy a lot, but I think it just means a lot, um, and so it's important to keep saying it. I try to have empathy for how what do what does the average person, a reasonable person. Um, what would they be concerned about from not just the law, but from how I treat their data, how I treat their parents' data? Um, You know, the people that are uneducated about tech and just kind of use it willy-nilly without thinking about it, they still have the right to be respected by the companies. So I try to take out my own personal, you know, whatever, I gave you the data kind of mode or whatever, you're a company, I'm doing business with you and i you know, um, whatever you decide to do, I've only given you enough to not hurt me. And I just kind of try to live by, hey, I'm going to treat people like I would want my parents treated or how I would want everyone to be treated well. That's the, that's what I try to follow. But it's, but I'm not defining it very well necessarily either. I think it's more, it's defined better than don't be evil. Um, but it's such a, how you communicate that is even more of a gray area, I guess. Right. I'm not sure. Like what, how, what is your answer to what you're asking? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I've, I've had, so I don't know that I have a good answer for it. Um, because I do think it's one of those things you can, you can, if you're not constantly taking that big picture view as well as a low level view, you can get lost in the minutiae. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the examples we talked about. So first I want to correct myself. You were right. As far as the motto, it was don't be evil. Um, they've actually since changed that when they formed alphabet, the parent company, they changed it to do the right thing. Is that better? I don't know. It's a positive statement instead of a negative statement, essentially. Um, do they pay Spike Lee for that? <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably an unethical stealing of a movie title, but good. <laughs> well, since they weren't making a movie out of it, I think they were all right. Um, <laughs> one yeah. of the things that um, that we talked about in the class, in the classes, is I had read an article, and I, I'm struggling to come up with the article at this moment. Um where I believe I had seen Facebook actually builds profiles of people who aren't even on their network. 
Okay. So Jay Smith may not be a user of Facebook, but there's a Jay Smith profile on Facebook, not, not necessarily accessible to people, but they've already collected that data, um, based on Mm -hmm. other people's inclusion of Jay Smith in updates. Um, and Jay Smith is internet use on places where Facebook has, um, like the, the little widgets where you can like something or anything like that. Um, it'll even track the non-users of the platform that starts to get to where it feels, it feels like they've gone too far and I'm not sure how you get there. I'm not sure how you get there without crossing a line somewhere, because at that point you're saying, yeah, we're going to start collecting mm-hmm. this data of somebody who didn't even sign up with our network. We're not going to display it, but we're going to collect yeah. it. Um, I guess I could invent a scenario where even that would feel okay if I walked it by minute, minute steps, but that even feels a bit uh, out there. So um, the, the dis- we, we had discussions on, on, on privacy, on the fact that we gave up the data, um, on the fact mm-hmm. that uh, we, we talked a bit about Amazon, Alexa, and the various voice um, activated uh, devices out there. Um, so I, I asked yeah. him how many were aware that Alexa's always listening. Um, not necessarily recording, but always listening. Yeah. So most of them were aware of that, which I thought was good. Um, mm-hmm. And I, the, the way I preface is, I, I said, I don't think Amazon's actually recording everything that Alexa hears. Because if that were ever to get out, that would be a major impact to their brand, and they don't need to do that. Um, and then, but that's isn't that? But well, let me jump in right yep. there. That assumption is exactly the scenario that Facebook is in right now. Is people make an assumption that Facebook wouldn't allow Cambridge, whatever, to have that data to do whatever they want. And I feel like that's a statement we would have been making a year ago. Like, oh, Facebook can't let that happen because they would get, everyone would come out against them. They would lose all their business. So to say that Amazon isn't doing it is somewhat the same. I'm not going to say gullible. I'm going to say over-optimistic. Okay. Consideration. So so my my, my Um, counter to that would be, we, the, the users of Facebook, okay. The users of Facebook are Facebook's product. Okay. So even though you're a user, you're also a product of Facebook. Okay. They, they use your information. They use your profile to, to essentially sell to others. Right. Um, even, even at its most benign, they're using the fact that I am on Facebook to get my family on Facebook. So I am their product. But you don't think Amazon, you don't think Amazon, you're a product for Amazon? Different, different business models. It, am I a product? No. Hold on, hold on. Yes, it is. Am I a product <laughs> of Amazon, of Amazon's? Yes. Does Amazon have other products to sell? Absolutely. Where does Amazon make a lot of their money on cloud services? Okay. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm yeah. not a cloud service. Okay. Now that yeah. said, and, and that's my point is, could I be a product of Amazon? Sure. And I probably am. And, and everything I say into my Amazon, I know is recorded. And I know that everything I direct at my, my uh, Alexa is recorded. I should say. Um, because mm-hmm. they record that so that they can improve the system and all that supposedly. Um, at the end of the day, Facebook is Facebook. There is no other goal there. Okay. There is no other business model there. Amazon has at least well, three business models, if not more. Okay. So Am- Facebook sells ads. I would say that that is a, I'm not an ad, so they're not selling me in that sense. But 
Amazon takes your behaviors on their website and you are a salesman for them. If you post a review, if you buy something, if you look at a product, they base ratings on your traffic to tell their people and say, hey, someone like Don basically bought this book. Um, they don't may- maybe say it as explicit as that, but they definitely, I mean, they own the Goodreads app that does network people just like Facebook right. does. And it's social networking around books and they push books. So I don't, I guess I don't care one bit that they have different product lines and that Amazon has, oh, they sell servers too and stuff. I feel like they're all doing the same thing. They're utilizing social media behavior statistics, your profile, and they are using them to boost the sales of other things, whether it's ads or products. Um, And, I mean, does Amazon not sell that data to other people? I feel like they're giving parts of our behavior to the retailers that utilize their platform. I don't. Because that means a greater. I don't disagree with the point you're making, and and I think we're making yeah. different points, and I think that's where we're we're missing the train. We're we're on different trains. <laughs> the point I'm making is if Facebook screws up based on their use of my data, that is a hundred percent of their product. My data is a hundred percent of their product. So if they screw yeah. that up, they're in deep trouble. Okay. Amazon, I'm not 100% of their product. So if they mess that up, yeah, I'm not going to be happy about it. But I also know where I want to go get my toothpaste. I want to go get my toothpaste on Amazon or my deodorant or my books or whatever. Um, That's the point I'm making is I think it was even more an oversight on Facebook's part because it's their it's their. It is their product. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I'll agree yeah, okay. with that. Sure. So sure. Um, I do think, as we said, a- a- Amazon collects those those voice commands to the Echo for uh, training, for training of the, mm-hmm. of the um, Alexa app, I guess. The other thing we talked about was I, I asked them to raise their hand if they had a, a, a an Alexa, uh, an Echo in their house or a Google Home or something like that. And then I asked them to raise their hand if any of them had a voice commanded device. And I got, it depended on the class, but I got between 50 and 75% of them raising their hands, realizing that the vast majority of smartphones nowadays are those voice commanded uh, devices. So our cell phones listen, most cell phones listen to everything you say because they're waiting to, to pick up on that voice command so that they can respond to you. Um, Mm -hmm. So again, it's just as far as user behavior, it's important for users to be aware of that, but we've gotten a, a little off the topic of, of where, how do you dictate the ethics of a situation as a worker? And as a, as a beginning developer, so this is the same thing, a beginning developer or um, a private in the army, you know, the lowest level uh, you can be in, in a military organization or a new hire at any company you're going to have, you're going to feel um, like you don't have the power to stand up to something that's not right. Um, and yeah. and again, that comes back to the, to the, the severity of the incident. When it's, when it's obviously wrong, you're, you're more emboldened to take a stand when it's, well, I see how people could misuse this, but yeah, we're not going to misuse it that way because I've been told that. Then as a developer, you're just going to jump down in there and do that. Um, at what, it's a question of where does that switch flip when as a developer, you start to take 
more responsibility for your actions, I guess, is is the, the point I'm trying to make there. And that there's no hard and fast rule so, on that because it's not like, okay, after the 500th day as a developer, it's, it's, it's a feeling. Thing. Yeah. I've always thought about this, like the, if there's a, a moment, I've got an example to talk about too. When there's a moment of you saying, this is beyond my ethics, and you have to decide if you roll with it or fight it, it's no different than telling, what's the best way to negotiate? When you can walk away from the table that's you. You have sure. the leverage. If they, if you're a value, if you're a value to the other side, or a value to a deal, or value of value to an agreement, your biggest leverage is always that you can walk away, and that person will have to find someone else to negotiate with or do a deal with. So, in this scenario, for me, I took a gig out of college with uh, with a big company and. You could. Uh, this is definitely a questionable ethical thing, and I'll tell you the the reason why. We I was put on a sales team, trying to sell big enterprise software to various big firms, and I real and so as a new person, I was just kind of there to help build PowerPoint slides about this data warehousing, data analytical thing, and this is about. 20 years ago. So this is not the data analysis stuff that's on, on machine learning and AI. This is more about, hey, you've got a big database. We've got these tools that you can use to analyze a ton of great stuff. And about, you know, if only a week or so in, I found out that, oh, no, we don't actually have these tools. We're just telling them we do. And then when they pay for it, like make a purchase, we build them. And so it it was really the the vaporware was the ethical issue. And I I was, I was bold blankly asked by clients. So where does this work right now? Who is using it? And I was was like, how do I answer these questions? I usually just play dumb. Oh, I'm just new here. Um, So I can't really answer that. But so-and-so probably has like, you know, the head, the head guy on the project probably can tell you. But then I was like, this is kind of crap because I know the answer and I'm not telling this person the answer. And I brought it up. Like, how is like, what's, what's going on with this? And everyone just kind of shrugged their shoulders. Everyone at my level shrugged their shoulders. This is what they're telling us and they're paying us good money. And I was like that, this is not, how I want to work with clients ever. I don't ever, like I'll, I would rather just be blunt. We don't have it built. We can build it. And I had this, I actually had this with, I'll tell you an ethical situation um, that came up last week about the same thing, but I, I'm always a, about being very blunt with here's the, the scenario. Uh, this is what we have, what we're able to do. This is what we have done. And this is where we have to break new ground personally to get this done. You can choose, you're choosing to work with us over what we've already got built in this scenario. So in this case, 20 years ago, I brought it up to the head person that I didn't really like. I didn't, it's not that I didn't like the sales. I didn't like the way this worked. And they were just like, well, this is what you do if you want to move up the ladder here. This is how we do it. And... At that point, I'm like, I'm out. Like, I put in my notice within two weeks of that conversation. Sure. And they, and that company went on to do great things for them, their employees, and they probably built those databases, analytical things at the time and that they promised they would build. But the sales part was what was not ethical in my book of what I was, what we were telling people. And this stuff happens all the time, um, overselling or vaporware software that doesn't exist, but you act like it does, and then you build it to meet the spec. Um, I'm, vaporware to me is unethical when you don't describe it as a prototype. You say, 
this is in place at companies and you should buy it because we've got right. proof. That's to me a lie. That's, that's ethically not right. But then going up to what happened, uh, a question that came to me last week, hey, we want to do feature X on a product. Um, can you do that? Do you have any experience doing that? And I just said, oh, no, I don't, I don't personally, I've never done that, but I know the people that can and I can manage them. So I just, so I told the person, you, you're hiring me to get this done. You don't need to look at me as I have done everything because I'm going to have to bring in people of different expertise. What I won't do is actually spend a ton of your time and money on me trying to learn it as good as an expert. You know, we're going to bring in the people to do it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. I'm sorry I asked it. I'm like, no, 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 that's a good question. You should ask those questions. But I think people in a sales role are frequently overselling or feeling like, oh, I'm going to lose this deal if I'm honest. And I know that's not the case in this scenario. And I've been told by clients, I just know where you stand on things. I like that part of how you work with people. So that's, so now, but here's the the trade-off. I was all of a sudden unemployed six months out of college. I didn't have a gig. And I went back home for, I don't know, three or four months. I can't remember what it was. I still, I got a job really quick. Like I, it wasn't so much that I was unemployed. I was just, well, I'm not going to be able to afford this Atlanta apartment on the salary cut I'm taking. So I went back home for a little while and then I moved to Chicago and that was the end of, of living back home. But there's a, always a trade-off for people. I ha- I was it was I had the backup of I could go to my parents and say, "Hey, can I live in the back room again for a little while?" So not, not everyone has that right. backdrop or they have a family they have to feed. So I took the drastic measure of standing up to an ethical dilemma by saying, I'm not going to like, I'm, I'm walking away from this scenario and it was privilege. It was, um, advantage leverage that not everyone has. And I do see where people are stuck in a rut. Um, you, you can look at the employees of Wells Fargo in the sales department where you had a humongous volume of unethical behavior and and only a few whistleblowers came out. And even they were ignored at the beginning. So I see the dilemma that people have when they see these illegal, unethical decisions and actions being made. What do they do? So for me, from my experience, I try to set myself up so that I don't depend solely on any one entity to give me flexibility to, so that I can make those calls right. for myself. But it's not that it's not that easy for everybody, especially people coming, trying to get a, a career going or people that need to pay a mortgage for a roof over their kid's head. And that's different. So I'll, I'll give you two, two examples from my career. Um, one, just so I can redeem the, uh, the virtues of salespeople uh, of some salespeople. So, um, so for, for Aspire EDU, um, if people ask if we have a feature, the answer is usually yes or no. And if it's no, um, I've heard our salesperson go, no, but it's in the pipeline. No, but we can discuss where that belongs in the pipeline. Um, and I don't, yeah. as far as I have ever experienced, that answer's never been wrong. If it was in the pipeline, he said it, it, or vice versa. If he said it was in the pipeline, it was. Um, I remember we have a, a big convention we go to in July of every year, and one of the features that kept coming up was in the pipeline, and that's the answer we gave. And now it's a the gray comes into the word pipeline, right? Um, because <laughs> yes. I, I'll tell you, we probably have a couple years worth of work within the pipeline. Um, but yeah. this particular feature was number at the, the time of the conference, it was number three or four on the pipeline. Um, it is literally getting worked on now. 
Um, we weren't misleading anybody in any way by saying it will be out next month. It was, it's in the pipeline. We usually work through these things. We release new things every month or so. We can give you a better date as we get to where we're working on it. Um, so that's, that's the yeah. best way to handle just for anybody who's in that situation, who doesn't want to give a, a no answer to a potential <clears throat> client. Um, it can be a, you know what? We've thought of that. We've heard that from other clients. We've, we've put some thought into incorporating that feature. It's just not a priority to us because we're not hearing it from all of our clients. Um, or we're not hearing it from majority of our clients, or if it is one of those things that you're hearing all the time, um, then you can go that route as well, which is, yes, we've heard this a lot. It's actually something we're working on this moment. Um, and then the, the other answer is no, it's not something we're working on. Um, I've literally seen him answer. No, it is not a feature we're building into the system at this moment. Um, as more clients come forward, Asking for that feature, we'll look to add it to the system. Yeah. So just very blunt, very straightforward, yeah. um, very easy to, to defend in in every scenario. So that's that's a good yeah. that's a good scenario. The other scenario is similar years. Um, so I worked for for many years um, for a corporation where for about five or six years after I was a developer and a project manager there, I was a developer and project manager there for about five years. And then I did five or so years on sales support and sales support was Mm -hmm. go with the sales team, listen to what they're selling and come back and report that to us on the, um, on the delivery team so that we know what's being sold so that we can prepare for it. Um, that can be taken a lot of ways. Um, and, and it was used in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, there were things the salespeople were out there selling that I look straight out and I'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about because we don't have that anywhere in the organization. Um, but they were usually mm-hmm. always careful enough with their wording on, on it's something we can do. Okay. Well, yeah. that just about incorpor- incorporates just about anything as something you can do. Um, the, the, the real, I will say the, the, the biggest problem I had with that company and the one that led me to, to leave them eventually Um was the outsourcing of jobs. So uh, part of my job was to help take over, uh, help accounts where we had, the, the client had given us a portion of their application work in order to reduce their work, their, the, the amount of staff they needed. Rarely was it a case of yeah. they just needed more hands, so they gave us the work. It was almost always a case of they needed to reduce their staff, so they outsourced their mm-hmm. um, some of their applications so that they could, A, either lay off people um, or, B, um, try and get us to take them on and lay them off ourselves. Um, and that, uh, that was never fun. Um, and, and after a couple times, it got very uncomfortable after a couple of visits where we're, we're sitting there talking to a developer about his application, they know what's going on and they come flat out and say, Mm -hmm. what is the plan for all of us, uh, who are currently working on the application? Sometimes the answer was, I mean, there, there was one time where the answer was, I can't, I'm not allowed to answer that. That is something you have to take up with your HR department. Well, you know where that one was going. Yeah. Um, so, so <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's where it started to get uncomfortable. Um, and, and I eventually had to get out of there myself. Now that was, that was over a decade of time put into a large corporation. So I had a ton of benefits. I was making a good salary. Um, 
but that good salary was just allowing me to make ends meet. So I was in that situation of, I got to be able to feed my family. So in order to get out, I had to, I, I couldn't just quit today and then go find something. I had to do the, the, the go find yeah. something else and keep working your current job until you find something else. And that, that actually took a couple yeah. years just because of the whole um, mobility of middle management and the lack of mobility of middle management. So um, yeah. that, that is when I started to build my own brand, um, started to expand what I do personally. Um, so that I was, I, I was more than just a middle manager. People could see what that I had experience in a lot of places. So, um, I, I, I'm not going to say I always made the right decision. I, I I'm I, especially especially working for that company. I know there were times I I probably said something that that was ethnically going down the wrong path. Um, Sometimes you find yeah. yourself in those situations of, I don't have a good answer here and, and I'm, I'm tired or you, you've been doing 10 interviews a day and all of a sudden your brain's fried and you're just spouting out what you heard somebody else say. Um, so yeah. it, it, this is not me proselytizing to, to the masses here and saying, saying, uh, thou, thou shalt be judged. Um, this is more of a, be aware of your situation. Um, be aware of the big picture of it to, to bring us full circle back to, to the Cambridge Analytica Facebook news. Be aware of, be aware of the big picture. Um, because you may have taken a bunch of baby steps and ended up in a place you didn't know where you were. So, so on that on that line, on that train of thought, I want to inject what I what, what I tell people who talk to me about finding companies to work for. And I do this every time I take a new job. I like most companies kind of have a I guess a decision period after they hire, 30 days, 60 days, whatever. We can come back and say, hey, we're going to continue with this. And here's the, and if we say yes, you're a full time. If we say no, then these are the terms of the separation or whatever. I stress to anyone going to a new company that doesn't know the ethics of a company, this maybe is some value statements and mottos and don't be evils, but you also are on that same timeline to judge the company, to ask around, to meet as many people as you can and find out what, how, what kind of choices does upper management make in regards to ethics? What kind of choices does the person I'm reporting to make? What is, kind of choices does HR make? What's the history of their decisions? And it's up to you to then look and to take that information and say, is this the type of firm that will back me if I stand up to a choice? Or is this the type of firm that blatantly just flaunts like or just kind of slaps the face of these types of ethics? And then you have the same time period to go, this is not where I want to be. So I took a gig with Vibes Media based out of Chicago. They're a company that was right at the beginning of SMS to like text messaging based marketing. And there wasn't a ton of rules around it, like the privacy rules um, that we see now in place in some places and that we will see coming. There was just a very limited amount of like spam related um, type of stuff that they kind of fell under and they weren't really doing business in Europe that I knew of. So they didn't have a lot of pressing rules, but when I went to work there, um, I figured out pretty quick, oh, wow, we're collecting, you know, names and phone number um, data, which then can be pointed to the location that it was sent from. And I was like, I wonder, like, I was under, what, a 60-day kind of 
um, contract or timeline where they could review if they wanted to keep me employed. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to go around and talk to the people that are kind of lower on the totem pole like I was and find out, like, what are we doing with this data and how do we respect it? And I found out pretty quick that Vibes Media really did follow the rules around the 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 data that we were collecting. And they we made efforts to tell clients, like, this is what you're getting and this is what you can use it for, but this is what you can't use it for. And like there was never I, I never got the sense even like of anyone I spoke to that they were well, if there's money behind it, we'll abuse this. Like they had, they had incentives from a legal standpoint and a policy standpoint of the cell providers, cell phone network providers. But they really were like, no, we we want to keep doing business what like the right way. We're not going to just, you know, sell lists of data out the back door kind of thing. And so I never, like, I only worked there for about a year, but I never, I always got the sense that the company, when I was working at Vibes, that we were treating clients right and we were treating the end users that were utilizing the marketing um, both ways the right way. And so what I kind of stress to people is, Again, you they everyone has kind of a period of time when they take a job to find out. You're not going to find this out in the interviews. You're going to find it out when you start working at a place. Talk to the managers. Talk to people that are below, like at your level, and maybe talk to people below you and find out, so how does this place work? Find areas of eth- ethical... Um, dilemmas that this company, because all companies have to deal with ethics at some point. And it could be the way HR treats people, the way people are hired and fired. Find out how that the company you're going to work for really works and how they treat users and people and society. And then make a decision quick if you feel comfortable with how they do business. And if you, if you feel that pressure at the beginning, it's only going to get stronger A pressure that says, Hey, we don't care. We, we talk about everything being ethical, but we do something different. If you get that sense, then don't sign up for too long because it's not going to get easier. But they're the only people, the only, you're the only person that can do that. Like you, you can't lean on other people to make those choices for you. And my dad, uh, here's another, another example. My dad took a job um, after being unemployed for a year at a company. And within two weeks, he was faced with a very strong ethical decision that someone above him made. And he bl- point blank said, no, I'm not doing that. And he had everything to lose by doing that. And in fact, two years later, he was let go. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got canned because of that crap two years ago. But they just didn't have a legal standing to get rid of me until they finally thought that the lawyers would be gone. And so he dealt with that for two years. And he's like, and I asked him, I'm like, do you regret not just going with the flow? He's like, no, like, that's, I can't, that's not how I work. And I, it would have bothered me for even longer. At least I thought I was going to lose a gig earlier, but I, I made a choice. I made a choice about ethics and I stuck by it and he didn't have anything to fall back to. He had basically a family that he had just moved to a new city and he had to deal with that. So I think it's just a matter of, like people have to take responsibility for ethical situations despite what the company above them is doing. And it's not necessarily easy, but it's on each person, no matter what level they are, to be as ethical as they can. And there may be repercussions, but you'll probably feel better about it if you make the right choices 
and then go through the pain of a change versus just let it go. And then later on, well, I stuck with it, even though we were, this company was doing all these number of things wrong. I always respect whistleblowers a tremendous amount. Sometimes they get vilified in the press uh, or by companies as um, backstabbers or um, leakers and stuff. But honestly, I have always felt like there's just so, there's very little benefit to being a whistleblower. Very, very little. And I respect those folks that actually make the stand and say, I'm not, uh, this has to be brought to someone, the authority's attention or someone's attention. And I can't let this fly. That sure. it takes, it takes a lot of strength to do that. Um, it's not, I just don't, you don't see people just do it every old day, especially against no. the bigger the companies are. Exactly. So um, on that happy note, um, <laughs> I think, I think we'll, <laughs> I think we'll 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 call it a, a episode. What do you have coming up this week? Um, now everything seems my calendar is a lot clearer. So I'm going to be building some things for current. My like go mainly all the next week is current client work and continuing some learning on the React Native platform. Sure. What about you? Uh, new, uh, new employee starting Monday for, uh, construction specialty. So I'll be, uh, primarily responsible for, uh, onboarding them. So, um, we'll bring them on. We'll teach them all the ethical ways to do things. Um, (laughs) and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, I, I will welcome that relief because he's going to take a lot of day to day stuff off of me. I think, uh, long, long term. Um, cool. allow me to think a little bit more big picture. So that'll be good. Good luck with that. So I think that, yeah, thank you. I think that takes us to the end today. Um, thank you, Randy. Have a great week. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. Thank you.